Hey, you're listening to the Mostly NBA Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 2. We're a few weeks into the NBA season now, and we've got a lot to discuss after that preseason episode that we had. We've also got the end of the World Series and MLB season to discuss, as well as a little bit of college football. So stick around. Welcome back. Nice to be back in the studio for a few weeks. Uh, how you guys doing? I'm doing really well. Pretty solid. Can't complain. Good, good. Well, I liked what we did in the first episode. We had uh, we got some segments going, but before we get into those for this week, um, just some general topics. We're a couple weeks in. I've been looking at the standings. I've been following along. A lot of times in the beginning of any sports season, you get the teams that are surprises but you can't even call them a surprise because of how early it is um i'm looking at the orlando magic so there are a couple of uh storylines sort of along those lines that i would kind of like to bring up so let's just get right into it i want to know what you guys think about um the minnesota timberwolves as we talk they're currently the second uh second seed in the western conference and before I give my thoughts on that, I'd like to sort of just take it around um, real early, like we've said, like I've said several times now. What What is Minnesota to you right now? Well, I, I love Minnesota, and I said that in our first podcast. I expected them to be in the range, finish in the range of four to six, and that should be the expectation for them. So I really like what I've seen so far. They, they're winning their close games. They're playing good offense and good defense, and I think – and I, I'm surprised by how well they, they've meshed together, Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler. I'm surprised by how well they're playing together. There isn't any problems with ball dominance. And I, I really like what I've seen out of them. I didn't think there'd be any surprise at how good this team's potential would ultimately be as the season goes along, in a sense. But I honestly didn't think they'd get off to a, such a hot start right away. You thought it would take some time to maybe develop and gel right away, get accustomed you know, to these guys and these new players, having Teague, having Butler on the squad. But I'm really surprised and impressed at how well they've adjusted so early, and they're playing really good ball. Yeah, at the time of this recording, they're currently on a five-game winning streak. They're a half game behind Houston for the best record in the Western Conference. Um, and I think when Aiden said they're winning their close games, that's the biggest thing for me. You know, they had two early games against the Thunder that pretty much went down to the wire. We all saw the one where Wiggins ended it on a uh, long buzzer-beating three. And then didn't they win another one on a Carmelo Anthony missed three right at the end there? So it's it's things like that. And that's that's the thing that stands out to me about Minnesota, and it goes back to... I think Jimmy Butler. I think that's where it starts. You know, when when you first saw that, you know, they got some leadership on that roster in the starting lineup. Um, and we had talked about this a little bit on the last show about how, you know, you start to look at your own roster and compare yourselves to other teams and think, you know, you start to expect to just win night in and night out. Um, certainly over the course of a season, you're expecting to have pretty sustained success and, you know, try and get into the middle of that playoff field. But, you know, night in and night out now is what we're talking about for Minnesota because they've only played a handful of games and they've been fighting and it's it's very encouraging. Um, I'm not a huge Timberwolves fan. I kind of I've always kind of been rooting for them because I would like to see them succeed. Um, but it's it's nice, you know, after seeing all these additions, seeing how they've drafted the last few years that they have gotten off to um, a start sort of like this. Um, and then you know, over in the Eastern Conference. 
the team that is interesting to me is the Detroit Pistons because they currently sit with the same record as Minnesota. They're a game out of the top seed in the East. Guys, what is it about the Pistons? Like, what's going on in Detroit? I honestly have no clue. I don't get it. I mean, we we very briefly discussed it before the show. I I mean, they're they're average in defensive rating and slightly above average in offensive rating. I don't know how they're winning games exactly, but they're doing it and they're looking good doing it. I mean, when you look at the list of some of the teams that they've beaten, they've beaten the Warriors, they've beaten the the Timberwolves, they've beaten the Clippers, and they've beaten Milwaukee. So they've beaten some some high-level teams, and they've done it very well. Guys, I obviously have the biggest reason right here as to their success so far. Andre Drummond was shooting 38.1% from the free-throw line entering this year. Guess what his percentage is this year? 40. 75%. That's a big jump. That is that is a big jump. Wow. I mean, how, is he getting to the line as much? Oh, yeah. Wow. They still continue to foul him, and he's, this year the only difference is he's actually making them. So. See, don't get me wrong about, about my surprise about the Pistons. It's not that I expected them to be bad. In fact, it goes back to for the last couple of years. Ever since they got that eighth seed in the East, you know, when they lost to the Cavs that one year, and they looked really good doing it. It was like the best sweep I've ever seen out of the losing team. <laughs> I've always expected such good things from them, and they have disappointed me. <laughs> so I have now come to expect that they're going to hover around that eight seed. I I don't expect even even winning streaks out of them. I kind of just expect, you know, they go back and forth a lot. And the reason I know this is because a lot of times I I, I love Sam Van Gundy. I love this man's interviews, and a lot of times I'll see the interviews, and there will be one semi positive one, followed by a couple days later he's in, you know, quotes trashing his own team so the Pistons are that mediocre you know haven't really been able to get over the hump since that playoff appearance so I'm not I don't even expect them to come out of the gate hot but yeah I'm just uh impressed by their hot start yeah I'm I'm really impressed I personally I I I don't see it continuing and I could be wrong but I I don't think they have a dominant player on their team obviously I don't think they have any special talent I do think they have a group of talented guys so I mean maybe they can all mesh together and be kind of like uh, the Hawks team that a few years ago that they didn't have any one special player but they all came together and played really well together but I I just don't really see that happen I, I do think that we'll see kind of a fall back to mediocrity as the season goes on I think they'll definitely be a little bit of a drawback. I don't think they'll be able to sustain this kind of success like they've had so far. But granted, like you just alluded to that point, they don't necessarily have a lot of crazy talented guys. You could argue that, you know, obviously Drummond would be their go-to player and the guy that you think of most when you think of the Pistons. But there is a lot of talent on there. It might not be superstar talent, but you got guys like Avery Bradley. You got Tobias Harris, Stanley Johnson, Reggie Jackson. You have guys that are good players in the NBA, and if you could put that together, if they could get something going, meshing down the stretch, uh, they could be one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference, possibly. So there's not much competition in the Eastern Conference, you would say, argue. So That's something that I, I would like to touch on. The East really looks weak so far, and it's it's tough to say that when you're only you know three, four weeks into a season, but everyone's kind of beating each other, and it's not impressive either. It's like people it's are... really ugly right now. It's not even that they're beating each other. It's like teams are just kind of losing other than Boston right now, I guess. But, like, even there, it's like 
who are they playing? I don't know. It's just like it, it, it's weird to me. I, I couldn't even come out and tell you a team is good right now. I mean, I would say Boston's a good okay, team. Okay, Boston. I mean, they're, Boston they're is, on an eight-game winning streak after they lost their first two. I'll say the only exceptions to that are I think Boston is legitimately good right now, and I think their record doesn't really show it, but Washington is a really tough team. But other than that, and, I mean, we were just talking about the Pistons, about whether or not they're even good. Their record's good, but it's like, where did this come from? It's like, who, you know, who's going to start to emerge as a quality team in the in the East? There's like two right now. So. I mean, but even that being said, I, I actually feel like there's reason for optimism in the East because the past couple of years, they've really been just a super top-heavy conference with the Cavs and the Celtics and pretty much everyone else. But, I, I mean, I feel like... With the Pistons playing better, the Magic are looking better. The Knicks are good, but they're playing better. The Sixers have a, the chance to make the playoffs. The Hornets are playing better. The Pacers are getting better. And then, I mean, then you look at Cleveland's playing terribly right now. The Heat aren't playing well, and Milwaukee isn't playing well. So I think all three of those teams could pick up. And then the other teams are showing the potential to play better. So I, I, I think we'll see maybe maybe more even east than in the past couple of years so is that the optimism is the optimism just the fact that it's more even if not altogether worse yeah i mean the west is obviously still the far superior conference there's you can't argue that but i i think maybe it'll just be more parity in the east than than we've seen in the past i was gonna say because you said there's there's a reason for optimism in the east but I can see what you mean when you when you look at the optimism coming from the fact that at least there's some competition now, but I wonder if it's better to have you know some legit teams coming out of the East that have a shot to challenge the teams out of the West, or if you just prefer like a, a regular season that's more competitive. I mean, honestly, I think the only teams that have any chance whatsoever to challenge a team in the West is the Cavs and the Celtics. Even though the Cavs aren't playing well, I, I do think they'll figure it out eventually, so that's not I don't think that's really what you're looking for out of those teams because out of the other teams because the Cavs and the Celtics are going to come out of the East one of those two so what I'm looking for out of the East is I just want a better better playoff series in general and more parity throughout the conference and a better better regular season and more competitive regular season from the other teams besides just three or four teams whipping on the rest of the teams in the conference Hey guys, I want to get into another topic that Aiden, you kind of touched on there. The Cavs, a really slow start right now. As we speak, they're they're 12th in the Eastern Conference. Who would have guessed that heading into this season? What's going wrong with them? I think the biggest thing about the Cavs right now is just their defense. Right now, they have the worst defense in the NBA. You can't win. You can't win or or be expect to be the number one seed in a conference with the worst defense in the NBA, and that's that's really got to change. And, I mean, they're really relying on LeBron right now. Everyone has to step up, and that's just not happening. The Cavs don't seem to have an identity yet. I've talked about this with my family and other Cavs fans I know, and it's just like this isn't the same team we're used to, and it's not because, you know, one player departed. It was a huge departure in Kyrie Irving, and then you add a bunch of, like, really, you know, well-traveled veterans, and it's like, who are they? It's like, are they... LeBron in a bench like do they have a legitimate starting five and that's something that we haven't even seen yet because they have 
changed up the lineup so much. You know, Isaiah Thomas is still hurt. So there's a lot of questions with the Cavs. And I think they're too comfortable with the fact that they, they know how talented they are. It doesn't even look like they care that they're losing. And I think a lot of that is reflected in the defensive end because there's not just not much effort there. Um, I think I don't think Lou is a very good coach. Um, I think that he is kind of coasting with the team, which is a really bad sign. And I, I just don't think anybody's being really held accountable. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not even going to say when. I'm going to say if they rebound from this start because I, I could see them, you know, scraping by and, you know, hitting a couple hot stretches. Like, I mean, come on. Like, the Cavs are going to be in the playoffs. If they're not, I that would be a, a big shot. LeBron's not missing the playoffs. That's not happening. Yeah, but I, I would like to see I, – I think it's going to be interesting to see how they make that happen, whether – they, you know, what if they get in as a three or a four? You know, there's a legitimate shot they don't get in as one or two if they keep playing like this, if they never do find that identity. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do I mean, they have enough of a starting lineup to put together games? I think you touched on something with accountability there. And I, I think that that was something that was kind of a little bit lost in that whole Miami Heat team with LeBron there. Like Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley, they do they did build a culture in Miami that held players accountable. Even when LeBron was the best player in the world with Miami, I mean, he couldn't just bulldoze the coach. He, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra weren't going to be bulldozed by LeBron, and I think that's part of the reason why that relationship didn't work out long-term. And, and now LeBron's in a situation where he can bulldoze anybody he wants, and LeBron's the greatest player in the world, and a lot of the time what he wants is the right thing to do. But I, I think it, it doesn't... I don't know how well that that sits with the rest of the team when when it's just one player bulldozing everyone else. And I think that also leads into part of the reason why Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland is 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 that is driven by by just one guy and while that guy one guy is amazing and oftentimes right in everything he does, it it, it still can create conflict. To me so far what it's been in my opinion is I think our expectations entering the season right off the bat were a little too high on this team. Now, granted, yes, they've been to three straight finals, um, beat the Warriors, obviously, in 16. But the thing to me is that we had all these expectations going in, like, oh, they got D-Wade, you know, they got Rose, they got Thomas, you know, this team's going to really shape out. They got all these role players. You got Crowder, these guys coming in. But I think just because of how many new additions they have, what's it? Wasn't it close to 10 new additions total? I don't think you can just instantly add that many people to your team and expect it to work right away. I mean, it's working with the Celtics right now. The Celtics had even this more many guys, turnover. Though. I think regardless of you know how exact it is, both of those teams saw a lot of turnover. And Matt, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to disagree with what you said. I don't think we had... I think it's too easy to, in hindsight, say that our expectations were too high. I don't think they were too high because this is a team, like you said, that is coming off three straight finals. They had the core of Thompson, Love, LeBron intact. They added great role players in Jay Crowder and I don't know if you call Jose Calderon a great role player. I mean, Derek Rose, you've got guys there at least that really fill in that bench and they make this a deep team. I don't think anybody saw them coming in without with, with such a lack of fire, especially after... You know, early on, I think what their first two wins were against the Celtics and the Bucks, and you know, all I know is entering the season. Anytime I'm hearing from multiple cast fans I spoke with, and you turn on ESPN, all the talk was, "Yeah, Kyrie left, but with the guys they got, this should be exciting. This should be possibly the greatest and deepest team this team has had in the last four years." That's that was the talk heading into the season. So that's that's where I'd say about that. But 
So on on the roster turnover, the Cavs have ten new players on the roster this year. The Celtics have twelve new players on the roster this year. That is year. insane. They have twelve new players on the roster. Yeah, they only have four players from last year's roster. I think a I think a big part of of why the Celtics are dealing with the roster turnover better than the Cavs are is Brad Stevens is a better coach oh, than Tyron Blue. Absolutely. And I think that plays a big part of it. Is Brad Stevens is simply just a better coach. Yeah, as a Cavs fan, speaking from that point of view, I don't really trust nor like Teron Liu very much. I think they, I think he's in place because of what you were saying. He is a perfect coach for a LeBron-led team where LeBron wants to make the decisions because he's not going to step up and get in his star's face about anything. He's he's there to agree, I think. I mean, he's an, he was an assistant coach. All the players liked him because... You know, in him next to David Blatt, who, you know, I don't I don't think the Cavs under David Blatt really thought that he was leading the team. I thought that a lot of those players thought they could do better just kind of by themselves, and they were kind of almost ignoring him. Not, I won't go as far as to say they were ignoring him, but I think you guys understand what I mean. Yeah. I think Lou isn't going anywhere as much as I think he's hurting the team. I, I'm i not sure that he is going to be the one that's going to go. Um, I can see trades happening. I can see a lot of different lineup changes as we've continued to see because Lou doesn't stick to anything. I mean, I think all future decisions, though, come down to whether LeBron stays after this year or not, which is a whole, other, a whole, it's yeah. a whole other discussion. But I think... I think that'll play a big part in any coaching decisions. After so we'll this see. I mean, we'll see how they rebound if they rebound. Um, I, I mean, I you have to expect a rebound. LeBron is just too good of a player for it to not happen. And I, I do think Isaiah Thomas coming back. What is it, when is he supposed to come back? Sometime well, in December, getting, or January. I was gonna say it's getting sooner. Apparently, I guess his uh, he's progressing really well. So, so I, I mean, who knows if he's gonna come back the same player? We all hope he does. No one really knows. But I mean, even if he comes back at eighty-five to ninety percent of what he was last year, he was statistically he was better than Kyrie Irving was last year. Now again, that's Kyrie playing with LeBron and Isaiah Thomas playing as the best player on his team. But still, ninety percent of that or eighty percent of that is still a very very talented player that Cleveland can really use right now. And I'd like to real quick touch on the fact that. This all this discord is going on. LeBron is still the best player in the world. He just put up 57 against a really tough Wizards team. Now, I do think he plays out of his mind against Washington because I think they get in his head a little bit because they talk a lot. And they were talking again before that previous game, saying they were the best team in the East, saying the Cavs tanked last year to drop out of the number one seeds so they wouldn't have to play Washington in the playoffs. But um, I would just like to point that out. They still have a LeBron James on their team, and not even like an old LeBron James, like an elongated LeBron prime. LeBron will never get old. <laughs> yeah. LeBron so, will never die. He said it's, did you guys see, he said it's the best he's felt in his career. Yeah. That's scary Did you guys see right the, the long live the King shoes? I love yeah, those. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah. And I think it's also the best he's felt in his career because he's also just playing alongside his friends. I think there's not a lot of stress and I think that is contributing to the losing. I think they're all too comfortable. Okay, so guys, I'm going to move us into the first segment here. We're going to go into our love-hate, and I've got a quick one for you. But before I present it, I want to give some backstory, read a quote. Uh, Dwayne Wade recently came out 
and talked about the Cavs' early season struggles. Wade was a starter in the beginning of the season, and J.R. Smith was then um, moved into the starting shooting guard role, pushing Wade to the bench. And Wade was critical of the starters, um, saying that basically the Cavs aren't getting out to any early leads, and he wishes that the blame was falling on his bench unit for blowing games. And the exact quote... I have it if you want me to read it. Aiden has it. All right, so the exact quote was, it's no secret in this locker room, but our first unit, we've got to start off better. I want one time for the first unit to get on the second unit because we blew a lead. I'm waiting for that day to happen, but we've definitely got to start off better, man. Which is just, I mean... Well, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna comment on it. I want to, I want to hear I mean, he, what you guys have to say, Aiden. Do you love it or do you hate it? Wade I, calling him out. I love it. I, I think something, someone needs to do something. I don't know if, I don't. It's tough because you don't know behind the scenes if anything has been said, like if they've had any meetings or discussions behind the scenes. So, but I, I think either way, someone needed to say something to rile this team up. Even if Wade makes himself the villain on that team which would never happen because his best friend is the leader of the team. I, I think something needs to be done to get those guys riled up and to get started and to get going. I mean, that's been Dwayne his whole career in Miami. He was never a guy that was afraid to speak out. He was always going to give it to you straightforward. And honestly, right now, that's what this Cavs team needs. So, so Michael, as a Cavs fan, how, how do you feel about Dwayne Wade calling out the team? Yeah, I am actually totally on board with Wade calling out the Cavs. I mean, he's got a bunch of rings, a bunch of playoff experience. He brings a lot to this team in terms of veteran leadership. If LeBron weren't there, obviously Wade would be, you know, the top dog. Um maybe not on the court, but definitely off the court. I mean, he's he's got he carries a big personality and a big past with him, which I think would help any team. So I think that you know, nobody's doing anything on the court. So I I like that he's frustrated. I like that he is making headlines. Um better than him, you know, just going along thinking Things are just going to get better and talking to media like, oh, we'll hit our stride. Like, I'm, I'm glad that he's mad that it's started this way. And um, hopefully, you know, that does bring about some sort of fire to this team. Yeah, I mean, and Kevin Love agree with him. Like, I have a quote here from Kevin Love. He said, I saw what Dwayne said. He's exactly right. It would be nice if we were able to get on the second unit one time for giving something up. But that hasn't been the case. My... Favorite quote came from Channing Fry, um, and he just said, "Yeah, we suck right now." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm glad they know, and yeah. uh, I hope they do something to change it. Matt, do you love or hate what Wade said? No, I love it. I mean, like I said before, this is a guy that's never been afraid to speak his mind, and that's what they need right now. They need a guy that's going to speak his mind and give him to him straight. All right, guys. Apart from the depressing Cavaliers topics, now my love hate. It's going to come from these new L.A. Lakers jerseys. Now, it's the retro. Do you guys remember when they used to be the Minnesota Lakers? Of course you don't, because you were born at that time. Yeah. But I got to ask, what do you think of these baby blue uniforms? Because I've gotten a lot of backlash from people that I've talked to about this. Thoughts? Well, first off, if you could go ahead and describe those for the listeners. Yeah, so it essentially looks like UCLA's uniforms with a MPLS on the front. It's it's literally like a UCLA jersey. I love the jersey, honestly. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it it it, it goes back to showing their roots, which I always enjoy. And I mean, it looks nice. So I I don't really see how someone could dislike it. Uh, I I like it. I like it. I, I love is a strong word to use in this case, but I like it. 
Yeah, I'm always a fan of retro jerseys. I, I love things that are out of the ordinary, you know, things that fans can get excited about, you know, going to a game and seeing something different for a change. Um, and, you know, jerseys especially, I mean, especially if they look nice. And this one looks really, really nice. It's got very nice yellow trim. You know, it looks very clean. It has that um, that vintage vibe to it, but it's, you know, it's also got the Nike logo on it, and it's got the you know, beautiful popping colors because it's a modernized version of it. I think it's really cool. Um, I don't understand why anyone would dislike it. But speaking of these jerseys and me bringing up the fact that there's a Nike logo on it, I, I recently saw a quote that was in reference to um, a lot of the uniform uh, malfunctions. <laughs> Seemingly, there's been a lot of Nike jerseys ripping that people think that Nike used a lot of their cheapest material through their logo on it and expected all the money to fly in, which it has thus far. But what do you guys think of like? How many jerseys have just ripped? I mean, it's unacceptable. This is this is a a professional league. I played four years of high school basketball. I never once saw a jersey rip. And we bought from the cheapest jersey manufacturers that was with Russell, in, right? the, in yep. the local area. Uh, how how are professional basketball players' jerseys ripping on national television? I, I don't get it. Like I thought it was a fluke the first time because it was it happened LeBron's. In, it, well, no, even before that, it happened in preseason. Oh, I didn't. Who ripped theirs in preseason? I don't remember who it was, but oh, okay. I, I remember it happened once in preseason, and it was kind of like a joke. It'd be like, oh, ha, 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 but it's a problem now. All I can say is I'm not in shock because as a avid buyer of Nike shirts, I've had two trash. within the past year that I, have ripped. I love Nike, and I love Nike products because I think they look cool, but they're lower quality products, in my opinion, than a lot of other companies. I mean, Nike just has... At this point, it's really just brand recognition. That's what they're best at is being a brand. But the actual quality of their products is not not that great. Wow. So we've got a problem on our hands in the NBA, something that I don't think anybody really saw coming. But yeah, it's, it seems the the more you, it, when you look for it, like you'll see just like, oh, Kevin loves jersey rips and lost it. Like, like, I don't know. Like I've yeah. seen headlines on all these people's jerseys ripping and it's only we're only three weeks into the season. Should I start? Yeah, I was done. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right, on to my love hate now. A few games into the season, Eric Bledsoe tweeted, "I don't want to be here," and a lot of people took that as him meaning the Phoenix Suns. Since that time, their coach has been fired, and Eric Bledsoe has not played in a game. Obviously, they need to trade him, and I love the idea of Milwaukee going out and grabbing him. I think it makes that team so much better. It adds another scorer and facilitator beyond Giannis. And I, I, I think it could really elevate Milwaukee into the third best team in the East. So in this trade scenario, who do you have Milwaukee trading away in order to get Bledsoe? Jabari Parker and Toledovic just to make the money work out. I, obviously, the trade is mainly based around them trading away Jabari Parker. And I think I think that's good for both teams. Jabari Parker fits the Suns', fits the Suns timeline. I think... He would really fit in well with Devin Booker and Josh Jackson in the future. And then I think for the Bucks, they don't have to worry about the contract that they need to give Jabari. Eric Bledsoe is cheaper than Jabari is going to be just for next year. And then they can give Eric Bledsoe a longer extension after next year. I, I think the, all the points you make are really good. I think somebody alongside Giannis would possibly elevate that team, especially in place of someone like Parker, who has shown really good things when he's on the court. But let's face it, in, what, three, four years, he's torn the same ACL twice already and missed significant time in portions of, like, three seasons now. 
So I think that that is uh, worth exploring. I don't think I feel enough about it to say I love or hate it, but if I had to choose one, I'd say I love it because I would like to see what the Bucks could become if something like that were to happen. Theoretically speaking, I love that idea. I like what you said. I think Bledsoe would fit really well with that and bring an extra element to Giannis and in his game, but I don't know if I'm the Suns right now even that I would be willing to give up that to take a risk on Parker, who's still recovering from an ACL injury, and with the injuries in the past, I don't know if the value will be there necessarily because you don't know how exactly he's going to come back and return from that. Yeah, and, and I think that's a fair point. I, I think what the Bucks could do to maybe sweeten the deal is throw in a first round pick that is maybe lottery protected. So if if the Bucks don't if the Bucks don't make the playoffs somehow, they get to keep their pick maybe just to sweeten the deal. Maybe that, and then that's too much for Milwaukee. I mean, I think maybe there'd have to be some details worked out, but I think the basis of the trade, trade based upon based around Jabari Parker and Eric Bledsoe, I I just love that idea, and I think Eric Bledsoe would fit in great and really, I mean, he can guard multiple positions, and that would fit into the switching that Milwaukee wants to do defensively. I mean, right now Giannis has the third highest usage rate in the NBA behind Kristaps Porzingis and James Harden. And I I just don't know. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, but I don't know if that's sustainable. So some interesting topics going around in love-hate. Um, that's definitely something that the Bledsoe trade in particular that would shake things up, um, particularly in the East where things are able to be easily shaken up. Um, we're going to sit on that for a second, take a quick break. If you need to pause this, uh, go get some water, chill for a second. We'll be back. All right, so moving on into probably my favorite segment so far of this show, which is the philosophical question, and I've got one for you guys again this week. I want to talk about retiring jerseys, and specifically teams doing it. Not really the league doing it, but teams choosing to retire jerseys of players that they believe deserve it. And I want to know what you guys think of teams retiring jerseys for guys that certainly aren't Hall of Famers. I mean, I don't know. Like, like do you think... When you retire a jersey of someone who maybe meant a lot to the heart of a team, but maybe didn't put up Hall of Fame numbers or even All-Star numbers, is that something you dislike? Is that something you like because it's the team's way of showing such appreciation for that kind of player? Like, uh, what instantly comes to mind when you think of a team like the Grizzlies who are going to retire Tony Allen's jersey? I, I mean, I really like it. I think it, it speaks a lot about the culture of the team. And I think it's meaningful when a guy comes in and, I mean, him and Zach Randolph really defined that team for many years. And they created the culture in Memphis. And even though they're gone, that culture is very much still there of of grit and grind and defense. That's their identity and will continue to be their identity. So when I think even if two guys, I mean, Zach Randolph was a great player for a period of time. But, I mean, a guy like Tony Allen, who maybe isn't an all-star but if he comes in and creates a huge impact for a team and for a city, and he plays for that team for a long period of time, I mean, I love it. I think that guy should deserve to get his jersey retired. I'd absolutely agree with that. This is a right that's special to each team, um, and no one knows these players better than the team and these organizations and these cities. And guys like Tony and Zach Randolph, they produce big time for that city. Um, they might not have gotten the, the national recognition around the league in a sense, but people around the league still knew about him, obviously. But that, that's a right that's special to these teams, and if they you know, want to give back to them in a sense and recognize them for their efforts, I don't have a problem with it. 
Yeah, Matt, you just touched on something, and it's the fact that it's being retired by these cities and by these teams, and who knows those players better than the fans? So if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan and you watched you know, five, six years of Tony Allen just hounding people on defense, and I think he earned first-team all-defensive honors at some point during his uh, tenure with Memphis, you know, it's something that you can look up into the Raptors and you see that player's number, and you remember those times, and you remember what that player meant to you and your city at the time that he was there. And I think I, I would agree with both of you. I think it's a really good thing that teams do um, because I think you you don't mix up retiring a player's number if it's the team. You don't mix that up with, oh, that player's probably in the Hall of Fame. Because Hall of Fame players, sure, you're going to have your jersey retired by the team. But I think it, um, in a lot of cases it can mean more than that. And bridging off that real quick, as a Cavs fan, I had to ask this. What do you do when you have an all-time great player, a potential all-time great player, who leaves in not necessarily the most amicable fashion? Do you think later down the line that team should still retire that jersey? For example, you could talk about um, Dwight Howard with the Magic, you know, bringing them to that finals, having a very, you know, pretty long sustained run of of very good basketball for you know four years. As a Cavs fan, though, I wanted to talk about Kyrie Irving, you know, the guy who made the shot that won Cleveland its first championship in 52 years. Do the Cavs retire that number? I think they absolutely retire Kyrie Irving's jersey. They're going to retire LeBron's, Kyrie's, and Kevin Love's simply because they were the three best players for the first championship of that basketball team ever. So I, I think they they have to. No, regardless of, of how it how it ended. I mean, even if something ends on bad terms, I think if someone comes in and they really define that team's history, I think you I think you kind of have to retire their jersey. I think if it's any team in the league, that's an automatic yes. But Michael, obviously knowing the history of Dan Gilbert and his saltiness, that's where I don't know down the road necessarily when it comes to Kyrie. But if it were any other organization, and especially if it was me, I would absolutely want to retire that jersey. Well, I like that you said that actually about Dan Gilbert, because I used to debate this with some people, and I used to talk about this with my dad. Before LeBron came back to Cleveland, I still thought that they might retire his jersey, even if he did finish in Miami, because, you know, the anger dies down after a while. You know, you never forget that let's say LeBron is still in Miami. Cleveland fans aren't aren't just going to forget that he left. But I think because he goes on, has a really great career, you know, it's years apart from the time where he left Cleveland, that anger has diminished a bit. I think that there would be time to take a step back and recognize who he was and what he did in the time that he was there. I, I still think his jersey would have been retired there. I can see where a lot of people would probably disagree with me on that. But um, I'm glad that's not the case. But um, I mean, you can also look at the Heat. Like things ended poorly with the Heat and all of their big three. Ended poorly with LeBron. Ended poorly with Wade. And ended poorly with Bosh. All three of those guys are going to get their jersey retired oh, by the Heat, though. That's right. what again, though. I just think it's it's absolutely. I'd agree. I, there's no, I don't disagree with anything you guys just said in a sense. But I just still think in the saltiness of Dan Gilbert and, and like you said too. And in the case of LeBron, I think that's a little bit different texture, just because it's LeBron James. I think they would have absolutely ultimately retired his. You got a guy with Kyrie though. What is there? What five, six years maybe? Or was it even that long? Yeah, yeah. It was about. I think it was six years. About six years or so. Yeah. So I mean, it just that's one where it's more up in the air. I would say, but I mean, I'd still my ultimate gut would be that they would hopefully, and you would hopefully think that they would, right? 
I mean, respectfully, that's after all it, he's given to you. If he doesn't, I think that looks bad on Dan Gilbert. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think pl- it makes players less likely to want to go and play there and play for him. That's also assuming that Gilbert still owns the team by the time Kyrie retires. I mean, he's a young guy. I think especially— I mean, unless someone puts a hit on him or something like yeah. that. I, mean, I don't know. That's true. I mean— <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have the FBI at Aiden's door tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if anyone's putting the hit on Dan Gilbert, it'd be LeBron if things don't go well. But what I'm saying is, with Kyrie in that situation, that didn't even really blow up. I mean, people were disappointed. People were like, oh, come on. Like, why is he saying this and that? But it never blew up. So I, I think mean, Dan a... Gilbert didn't write the letter like he did about LeBron. Yeah, for sure. And there was never he never even came close to opening Microsoft Word. So I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I He probably has a letter pre-written for every player on the team. That's how salty he is. Could I say, though, just moral of my perspective, if it were any team that wouldn't retire that type of player's jersey, I just feel like it would be Cleveland and Dan Gilbert. That's all That's all I'm saying. I would agree with that, yeah. But I, as I said, I don't think it was bad enough for Kyrie. And I think as time goes on, especially... Time heals all wounds. And even even immediately after him leaving, it's, it's so close to the time that we won the championship that people are kind of just like, well, you They're know, still kind of riding whatever. high, yeah. like, look what he gave us, so I'm yeah. not, not going to hate on him. So I think it's a much different situation because, you know, if you were two months removed from LeBron leaving, people were still, you know, just like burying their jerseys 20 feet underground and things like that. So I think it's very different. But I think overall, yes, teams have not only the right, but I think almost... Um, an unwritten responsibility to do to do that for the players that work very hard through whatever times you know if they can wear that jersey with pride for you know eight nine ten years i think that's the kind of guy that you want hanging in your rafters outside nba topics in the college football world and guys i'm very serious about this because this is something that i've wanted to talk to you guys about for a while i wanted to bring this up last time it's Butch Jones at Tennessee. I cannot believe he still has his job, number one. And number two, if he doesn't get fired at the end of the season, like I won't be able to predict anything in sports anymore because I'll have no faith about anything. I mean, this is a guy that I thought was going to get canned after 2015. That's two years ago. You know, they started, they started out the season that year really hyped up. They were ranked. They lost in terrible fashion to Oklahoma. They, were, they blew that game. They ended up blowing the game to Florida at Florida when Will Greer hits Callaway for the game-winning touchdown. You know, that was a season that Butch Jones was kind of (laughs) like, the fans were calling for his head. They come back in the next year with huge expectations and a very experienced team. You know, Tennessee finally beats Florida. They're number nine in the nation. They're 4-0, 5-0. You know, they they beat Georgia on a Hail Mary. It's like everything is finally coming together for Tennessee. It's like their fans are finally being rewarded for the years of – nothing under butch jones except for high expectations and you know dashed hopes and they were finally really rolling and then what happens they lose what two three sec games almost in a row half the team quits on them they had like six to eight players walk out of a team meeting that turned into a fight basically jalen Hurd transfers i mean that is an absolute dumpster fire just in the middle of that season he still doesn't get fired he's brought back in this year you know, they lose at home to Georgia 41 nothing. They lose to Florida on a last-second 60-yard touchdown. That's your closer right there. They lose to Florida. Exactly. And especially, but for it to happen in that fashion, for them to lose to South Carolina again, for them to get crushed at home by Georgia, not score a point, I mean, it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing at this point. And it's the third straight year that he should have gotten fired. And I really, 
as you can tell, I'm passionate about this. I cannot believe that he is still at Tennessee. Listen, I have no words for Butch at this point. It's I have no words. Consistently, year after year, he has a top recruiting class. A really top ten. The last couple of years, they've had really good recruiting classes. Um, he continues to underperform. He continues to flat out choke. There's no other word for it at this point. They have the team, they have the talent, and they haven't been able to put it together. I was going to say it is him too. It's, they have talent there. They have playmakers there. And it's not showing up on the field. I mean, they've had legit offenses yes. and some really good defensive lines over the past few years. And then there's some very questionable play calling at the end of these heartbreaking losses that it's like, what are you doing? He's throwing away all these opportunities. And it's not that, oh, you know, he's a coach that's at the head of a bad situation. and You know, he's got to get fired. No, he is the bad situation and he has to get fired. He is absolutely. There's I, I, there's no way. Like I know we talk about this each year. We talk about 2015, 16. There's no way he's returning. You guys want to no way. You want to hear a great stat? So, Tennessee is open as 10-point underdogs to Missouri. If they lose that game, they have a losing streak against every single team in the SEC. If they lose to Missouri this coming Saturday, they so, have a losing streak against every wow. single SEC team. So, every team that they beat last year in the SEC, they've lost to this year. Yeah. That's a, that's a good fact. That's that, insane. That is a fun fact. I had fun listening to that. Um, we are going to get right back into NBA after a quick break. All right, guys, it's time to get into the home stretch of this episode. We got to look at the top five. We got to look at our power rankings. They are for sure going to be a lot different than they were last time. We should get right into it because this could take a bit. <laughs> um, it's definitely going to take... Some thinking because a lot of the teams that we had in there from previously just haven't started out well. And not only has it been they haven't started out well, but they just haven't looked good. So we can't even in good conscience keep them where they are because they don't even seem to have that talent right now. So to recap, our previous top five, we had the Warriors at one, the Cavs at two, Oklahoma City at three, the Spurs at four, and Houston at five. Okay. Let's uh, let's mix this up a little bit. So I I, I think we got to keep the Warriors at one. I mean, they they haven't looked great at times, but they still have shown their dominance. They're still the reigning champs. They still have by far the most talented team on paper. I I, I think they have to stay at and, one still. And the thing about the Warriors is when they care, they can still explode. Yeah. Because look, look how be long they've been together. They'll be down by twenty and in three minutes. They'll be they like, have okay, you oh you guys want to win the game? Okay, well let's just do it. Yeah. So I mean they. They have the experience together. They're not a new team. Like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and easily agree with that. What about you, Matt? No, oh, I've got Golden State right here, number one on my okay. list. Number two. Oh, you already know who this is. I feel like. Can I say my pick? You're going to sure. pick Boston. H-Town. Oh. That's why I got a number two okay. so far right. this season. Okay. I have Houston three. Okay. I have Boston two. I'm going to put Boston 2 as well right now because they have rattled off eight in a row after yeah. after losing Gordon Hayward. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, so where did you have Boston, Matt? I actually had them at the four spot. Really? Four. I do. I what do. are you doing? Well, granted, look at who they played so far. Yeah. That's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. So this is where we've hit our first rough spot. Can we convince you to bring the Celtics up? Oh, it's gonna be tough. I'm I'm not willing. I'm not willing to bring them up to two, maybe three. Who do you have three, three is fine. I actually have Minnesota at three, the way they've played mm-hmm. so far. Okay. Well, who do you have three? I don't have anything. 
Okay. <laughs> I was going into this raw. Um, I mean, the Celtics have beaten OKC and the Spurs and Milwaukee. And I think the fact that they've done it consecutively, I'm, I'm oh, not. They beat Milwaukee. Oh no, I, th- no, absolutely. But I was looking at that too from a perspective of what's Houston? What seven three are they into? Are they no, both they're, the they're, same record? No, um, is it seven three? S- so Rockets are eight and three. Eight, eight and three. three. Well, Boston's are eight, eight and two. two. Eight and two. Like just putting it, if I was taking those records in a sense of right now, and I would say going head to head, I would yeah. I would pick Houston in that matchup. That's what gave me the go ahead edge in that. So I'm taking Boston. They have the number one defense in the NBA right now. But Houston's scoring like 170 points, points per game, right so Not and I they, think I it's mean, a I think it's a toss up there. Houston is Houston's the number five scoring offense. In the okay, NBA. Matt, how about this? Mm. Would you agree that Boston and Houston are the two three? Like, would you be able to bump Minnesota? I'd go with that. Okay. So, we'll get back to Boston and Houston at 2-3. I am on board with Minnesota at the 4. I like it. Not as the fourth best team in the NBA, but just based on power rankings. That's strictly yeah. what we have to be talking yeah, about I now mean, is right I, now. Yeah, long term, uh, I think we're going to see them move down in a yeah. little bit. But I think right now you have to put them at the 4. And then who's left? I mean, because we've got pretty much For, all West here. I mean, oh, this you, is the most intriguing. There's spot. no this, way we're going to agree on this because no. <laughs> it's just a bunch of mediocrity after that. I want to see an inconsistency. I've got. I, what I've if got we do mine, this mine. a shoot like a, at a one-two? I just got to right. hear this. Okay. Okay. So, so just, are like, we going back to back to back? No, we, nobody react to anybody. Just no, like, just like spit it out. I think he wants us to all say it at the same time. Oh, because then, but then nobody will hear it. Yeah, that's true. So Matt, you say yours as soon as you're done saying yours, Aiden. Okay, we'll do it like that. All right. I've actually got Memphis. Spurs. Wizards. Ooh. Oh. Okay, then. Now we're talking. Memphis, Spurs, and Washington. Okay. Make your case for Memphis. Yeah, I mean, just right now, they've beaten some solid two. They have wins. They got wins over Golden State. They have a few others, too. Um, even in their losses, it's been relatively close. They're playing good ball. And once again, we're taking this strictly in the terms of so far what our eyes have seen this year. I was battling out between them and Detroit, and I still thought that at the end of the day, if, if those two teams were to go at it, I would give the head to Memphis. So right now, strictly speaking, three weeks into this NBA season, I would put them at the five. Aiden, you had the Spurs. Dang, now that surprised me. I have the that Spurs, really surprised me. I have the me. Spurs, but I'm not I'm not strong. I was going to say, how much faith do you have in that? Not a whole lot. I mean, a lot of, I mean, I know that we're going off of right now, but built into my right now is they're doing it without Kawhi Leonard. And I, that's built a lot into my right now is that I think they're still one of the better teams in the NBA without Kawhi Leonard. And I mean, you do, I, I get that we're not forecasting the future at all here in, in this top five, but I think something has to be said about their team and doing it without Kawhi Leonard and and uh, who's a top five player in the NBA. Okay, so I'll make my case for the Wizards real quick. I don't look at their wins as we're speaking. They're five and four. I'm not looking at their wins. I'm looking at their losses. Two of those losses have come to the Cavaliers and the Warriors. When you look at the loss they had to the Warriors, it was a fourth quarter um, home comeback by Golden State, which are pretty much impossible to escape from. If Golden State's coming back on you at Oracle, you're probably going to lose. And the Wizards uh, really fought in that game. Um, both figuratively and literally, as Draymond Green and uh, was it Brad Beal got into it. Um, so that was a, a great game that the Wizards showed they belong in that category of team. The other game that they dropped to the Cavaliers was LeBron went off for 57, and you know <laughs> there's also not much you can do about that when he's having one of those nights. So I think the Wizards have played really well against 
the better teams in the NBA, and you take away those two losses, they are, you know, they would be 7-2 and two or something like that. So, I mean, that's my case for Washington. I also just want to say something that is just going to clutter the mix even more. Here we go. I think uh, – I still think OKC has to be in this discussion. I think they're in the discussion, I but mean, I'm like not they, comfortable putting them they in They are the five. four and five, and that ha- there has to be something said for that. But they have – what is it? I think they have the third best defense in the NBA right now. Two close losses to Minnesota. Two very close losses. They're they're number three in overall plus minus, uh, so I which I, surprises me. Actually. Yeah, so I'm actually shocked by how well this team is doing so early. I mean, I get that they're still four and five, and it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how well you're doing if you don't win the game. But I I I, I I'm not saying that they should be the fifth team, but I think something has to be said for how well they're doing so early, and I I think that really bodes well for the rest of the season for them and yeah. that there hasn't been any head clashing so far between Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. I yeah, think it's I think, gone really well. I think that's a good point and I think that it does bode well for them and that's something to keep an eye on, but I think the fact just I can't look past the 4 and 5 when we're looking at the top 5 uh, yeah. at, at power rankings wise. And and I understand that. I just I I just wanted to to I just feel like something had to be said to the point that that they are playing really well and they have looked good even in their losses um as for the two teams that you guys have in there i think i'm more comfortable going spurs over grizzlies and i don't know why that is if they were going head-to-head right now who are you taking michael kawhila spurs are going head-to-head with memphis right now who are you taking i'm taking pop yeah, me too. You're taking a Kawhi-less team. Because oh, I don't no, know. I'm, right I'm not taking the team. I'm taking Greg Popovich. I don't give a crap. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm taking. Yeah, I, I think just uh, also, number one, regular season games don't mean anything, so anything can happen. Um, I love the Grizzlies. I think that they are very talented. So they're not better than a Kawhi-less Spurs. Are you serious? Like this is legit right now. You guys really don't think. I find this. I find this. I'm astounded right now. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that I don't find them better. I'm saying that in the randomness of an NBA regular season game, sure. Like I don't know. I just. I'll just take. I'll take the Spurs. Maybe a spot ahead of the Grizzlies. Yeah. Dang, we got mad that's heated. Su- that's surprising. I, you know, I'm, honestly, I'm glad that you're on the Grizzlies so hard that. though, because Michael, I love the Grizzlies. To be fair, I, I was actually gonna say though that. that I was. I was gonna go to your side. I was gonna take the. I would. I would take the Wizards over over the. Grizzlies. Okay, good. I like good. the yeah. Wizards. Well, I would. I would take. I would, I would argue them. more the Wizards than I would the Spurs right now. Yeah, and I know I, I said it, but I would. I'm fine I'm with. I'm gonna backing. reiterate that I would take Washington in a heartbeat. Over I love both, that both team. Of those yeah. Teams. yeah, yeah. So I, I'm fine with backing down from the Spurs. We can put Washington in there. Absolutely. Okay, so we, we got really got mad heated about this. <laughs> I would. I'm surprised by that. Wow. No, I would not. My but opinion, it, I would not take that. It's something to keep an eye on, but I, I don't necessarily... They match up so well even when Kawhi's there, yet alone when Kawhi's out. So that's 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 all I'm saying. I mean, you guys... Hey, in our first podcast, you guys hated on LaMarcus Aldridge. Both of you did, and we I did. defended yeah. him. And yep. he's playing well, oh, but and he's going to continue well, to play well. Well, we'll see. When it gets to crunch time, we'll you see. Can't, he's okay. a good player. You, I mean, can't, you can't criticize LaMarcus Aldridge for being the only guy against a Warriors team. That's not fair. You can't. You can't... You can't take. Did those he stats. contribute at all in those whole entire playoffs, though? That's what I'm wondering. He had a horrible oh, playoffs earlier last year. in the playoffs. He was all right. What, it like was, the first game, or was, no? No, he he had a hot series against Houston. Hot yeah. series. It was yes. It was only the third. Like, 
I think it's unfair the criticism that Marcus Aldridge got. Yes, he didn't play well against the Warriors, but he was playing the best. I think they were the best or second best defensive team in the league last year without their best player and main facilitator, and also without Tony Parker. I know for sure that Memphis series he played like shite. I know that. He played bad that series. He did. Yeah. And I'm not defending him for that series. I'm just I, saying, don't, I don't hate I don't, him. I think he's a good player. I'm absolutely. just saying uh, when we were talking about he's not a focal point of a team. Though, when we were talking about teams in the West in the first podcast, and I brought up the Spurs, you guys yeah, yeah, I'm, both. I'm, yeah, I'm not backing you down. You guys both were very negative yeah. about Lamar Absolutely. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, all right. So well, let's look what we have locked in. We got Warriors one, Minnesota four, Washington five. The argument is Boston and Houston. Who's two? Who's three? I think. I'm, I, I I'm kinda have to sit with Boston. To I would say oh, I hate Houston. you, Michael. Traitor. Traitor. What are you doing? Don't give in to Matt. What are we doing? I sat on it for about five minutes. Really, uh, granted Boston's playing great too. This is this is this is another one where you could toss it up. I just I would yeah. still lean towards Harden and them. I, I would give the edge to Houston, honestly. I'd be willing to go. What happened to defense wins championships, guys? Yeah, the best defense. Is in the there NBA. such thing anymore, though? Like just the way it's set up and the ticky tack. The Warriors had the best it. defense in the NBA We're also last year. Ten games. They also in. had the best offense too. Yeah, but that's that doesn't fit with my argument right now, so that Same. doesn't apply. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I right. mean, as you can tell, I'm up in the air about this, so I'd be willing I mean, to go a two point five. For on me, I'm really just I'm not a huge fan. I've never been a huge fan of of Houston and their whole setup. I don't think it it works long term. I don't think it's a winning foundation long term, so that that that's a bias in my judgment of keeping them at three. I'll admit that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Boston does have the future MVP candidate too, so that's not happening. We'll see. That's a guaranteed not happening. Hot take. Hot take. I was late on that one, but okay. <laughs> I didn't say it at all, so you're good. <laughs> What we're going to do is we're going to go in alphabetical order. They're each going to get a two, but because we want to go down the line, we're just going to go Warriors, Boston, Houston, Minnesota, Washington. Those are our top five for this week. And when we come back, we are going to get into our hot takes and end the episode. All right, we're back for our final segment of the night, our favorite segment of the night, um, hot take, which I want to remind everybody listening that... We have not heard each other's hot takes, and we are about to get heated. I'm turning the mics down by two decibels each. Here we go. Matt, what's your hot take? Guys, the Cleveland Cavaliers will not be a top three seed in the playoffs. I thought you were about to say that they <laughs> will not make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, they will not be a top three seed entering the playoffs. I have a question. How, how, just so I know how much to, uh, to rail on you. How much do you believe that? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Wait, no, don't say that. <laughs> I don't believe this, but I think it's the closest thing. Like, I'm trying to get okay, something on I the mean, edge here. I mean, we gotta have some kind of belief in our hot takes. I mean, it's re- the way they're playing now. Sure, I think this sh- if this crap keeps up. Who knows? But that's I thought that's why I said top three. I could have gone farther out and said more than that, but I kept it in that range. Top three, um, I think... If the That's East, why it's if, explicitly that. If yeah. the East was better, I might agree with you more, but the East is not so great, and the Cavs... The Cavs have LeBron. The Cavs have LeBron James. I'm going to... I'm going to I'm gonna. The four and six Cavs have LeBron James. Yeah, they do. I'm going to politely disagree with you. 
on your hot take, but that's what I, this is I, about. But I don't have much to offer to I it. I mean, I don't. I think guaranteed. I don't see them getting the one seat. That's not happening. The Celtics are playing too well. I'm not guaranteeing anything this this early in the season. I mean, yeah. I, I just I don't see it. I mean, I honestly didn't think they would get the one seat anyway because they don't care about it. That's true. LeBron doesn't care about the regular season, and and maybe, maybe that. I mean, maybe that affects. Maybe they don't end up being in the top three, but I highly doubt that. I mean, LeBron, at a certain point, they'll come together. I think getting Isaiah will really help, even if he's not the same. I am I mean, I'm optimistic that hopefully Isaiah will be the same. So I, I think the Cavs will overall be fine, and they'll end up with the two or three seed. All right, Aiden, what's your hot take? Uh, my hot take is um, the Rockets get worse once Chris Paul comes back. That actually is very interesting. I'm not going to rail on you for that because I have had that same worry deep down when I look at the Rockets. It's like, wow, they're playing really well. Oh no, Chris Paul is coming back soon. Like, is yeah. it going to throw him off? And like, I mean, they in, in in the first game of the season when Chris Paul played, they were better when he was off the court. They were, and, better. and that's something that you were afraid of coming into the season. Yeah, and too, it was something that we it was all just another about. guard. Yeah, so that that's an interesting one. I I'm gonna I'm gonna uh sort of agree with the hot takes as much as possible i think this time around um i know that's kind of boring but matt what do you think about that yeah i mean um, i don't like i get I, I mean i don't think that's necessarily unrealistic absolutely i mean there's going to be chemistry not necessarily major issues but there's going to be time you know with a fit when that gets back so i, I would absolutely agree with that but i mean i don't even mean short term with them figuring out their fit together i mean long term they are simply just a worse basketball team. But, how, but what, describe worse. Now that, that's though, like, a little hotter. Describe okay. worse. Like so, how far are we talking here of a drop off? Uh, I mean, right now they're the number one team in the West. I think obviously they're not actually the Warriors are the number one team in the West. But right now it's comfortable to say they're the number two team in the West. I think they drop from two to four. That's not that big of a drop off though. Like I wouldn't like, okay. blow off my season. Is what I'm saying. Oh, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to become terrible. They're still going to be a good team, well, but yeah. but I think they go from being a a, a conference championship contender to easy, maybe, like a maybe second rounder. To, I mean, they'll make the second round. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if they beat the Timberwolves. If the Timberwolves keep that was actually my if, next question. If was the it, Timberwolves, would you put if the Timberwolves keep, I mean, I still think it's going to be Warriors one, and then OKC or Spurs somewhere two and three. And then I think the Timberwolves and Rockets are four and five. And I don't know if the Rockets with Chris Paul beat the Timberwolves. I I mean, I, I think they would, and then they'd lose to the Warriors in the second round. But I mean, I we talked I talked about it a lot in the first episode, and we all did. I, I think Chris Paul makes the team worse. He's not he's not a running gunner, and he's a main facilitator, just like James Harden is. James Harden is second in the league right now in usage rating, and they're winning that way. And Chris Paul obviously diminishes that. I mean, he's a oh, he's a above average three point shooter, but he's not a special three point shooter, and he's not the defender he once was. I don't. I, I mean, I don't see. I don't see it working well together. That's interesting that you could, you know, obviously as I've said, that's not something I would totally disagree with. But I think it's if you would have told someone three years ago. That adding Chris Paul to any team would make them worse. That would be that would be quite a statement, and I think it's crazy that it's even come to that. Um, I mean, I love Chris Paul, and I think there's a lot of teams in the league that he would absolutely make better. I, I think, but those are teams that don't have guards. Yeah, those are teams that the best player isn't also a point guard. People yeah. still have this mis- misconception that James Harden is a shooting guard because he scores a lot. 
The dude is a point guard. He plays point guard. Same way that Russell Westbrook scores a lot. He's a point guard. Like I, I, We're no longer in the world of a traditional facilitating point guard. Giannis plays point guard. Ben Simmons plays point guard, you know? I, I, and I think people have this misconception that James Harden isn't a point guard, but him and Chris Paul play the same exact position. It was also kind of why I was uh, I was kind of happy when Lou finally named LeBron the point guard for a couple of those games. Because yeah. that's what he is. I mean, he's bringing the ball up. They don't have a guard, right? I mean, it was when Rose was out, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, I and think... I think you're going to see kind of a similar problem with, if you guys remember the first year the Heat were together, LeBron and Dwayne Wade played the same position. Obviously, LeBron is five or six inches taller, way more athletic, and a bigger guy than Dwayne Wade, but they played the same guy. They're a slasher who likes the mid-range and aren't good three-point shooters. That's what they both were. And they struggled to work together because they were ball-dominant and they wanted to do the exact same thing. And, I, I mean, it, it. they still made the finals, but they lost. But they are both better than Chris Paul and James Harden are. And they had a third guy in Chris Bosh. And just a better overall team. So I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's gonna work at all once Chris Paul gets back. And I mean, again, I said it in the first episode. Okay, so I think that's interesting. I think that, um, like I've said a lot, <laughs> because it's so early in the season, that's gonna be something to keep an eye on with the Rockets. Um, but I think come next episode, which could be, I think, about two weeks from now. Um, we'll see where Houston is at that time. I mean, we'll see what the Warriors do. We'll see what the seeding jump kind of looks like in the West in, you know, a conference that is only so far into the season that everybody's pretty much a game or half game apart. Um, my hot take, I just made a little spice here. I made a note a couple seconds ago. Um, right now, the Milwaukee Bucks are 4-5. and five. They're the 11th seed in the East. Um, my hot take is that they storm back and they're a top four seed going into the playoffs in the East. Um, and to make it just a little extra special, uh, Giannis is your MVP. I agree with both of those things. Okay. Now we're talking. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think, I mean, maybe four is a little too high just cause I don't know if, Hey, if, if anyone in Milwaukee listens to this podcast and they do the Eric Bledsoe trade. Maybe maybe they can think higher. That's why I thought it was interesting that you should say that should say that because Bledsoe would only add to this <laughs> prediction. But also part of this prediction was I think they could really hit their stride at the end of the year. Parker is due back in what February or so. Some some so like that. I think that you know they add a rotation piece like that back in somebody who was scoring twenty points a game more actually when he got hurt last year. Um, you know, I think that this is a very interesting team to look at down the stretch, and I think the Bucks could take advantage of a weak East. Also, Giannis is playing out of his mind right now, so I would hope that that would continue. Yeah, I mean, I think if the Bucks do finish top four, I think Giannis probably will win MVP. I mean, it depends on how LeBron comes back but and how the Cavs do, but I think if the season ended today which 10 games in is really stupid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's way too early to say anything like that, but I mean, he's playing out of his mind and I think he has to, he's going to absolutely finish top three in, in, in the MVP race, I think. Uh, I mean, that's a cool development. I think he's a very exciting player and he's someone that, what was he picked? I think 15th or 13th, something. 14th, yeah. 15th, so, I mean, like that's always exciting. when That kind of thing happens. Uh, Matt, do you want to back me up or tear me down? Yeah, I mean, I abs- I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think they absolutely have the potential to come storming back. Uh, they've got the young talent there, especially if Parker comes back and they're clicking. 
Um, you know, come February and March, they definitely have a chance to come back and rise into the top four rankings. Um, Giannis, I'm up and down about that. If he if he keeps this up, he absolutely has a shot at the MVP. My question is, you know, we haven't necessarily seen that over a full season yet, and I'm the type of guy where I, I like to see it before I believe it. But that's, again, part of the hot take essence of it right now. So I wouldn't be willing quite to say that he's going to be the MVP, but I, it's definitely not unrealistic. So definitely some things to think about there with the hot takes, whether or not you agree with those things. Definitely things we're going to be looking out for. Um, it was fun getting those rankings in, the top five. Um, if you guys don't have any other thoughts, I think we're ready to wrap this up. It was a great episode, too, and we're looking forward to getting back at it in a couple weeks. Okay.